Hey, welcome into Positive Light, where we're bringing a positive influence into this world and into your life. And hi, I'm Bob Miles. And today's episode is Becoming Best Friends with God. The very offer of friendship testifies that God is committed to our good. However, a true friend of God is someone who seeks God's good as well through a heartfelt commitment to forward God's plans and purposes in this world. It is to share in what God is doing and how God is doing it. The fruit of friendship with Christ consists of acts of peacemaking, works of forgiveness and reconciliation, and restorative justice, deeds of healing and compassion. So knowing and loving God is our greatest privilege, and being known and loved is God's greatest pleasure, from Rick Warren. What a privilege to become a best friend of God. Have you grasped the reality of what this means? As a humble cook in a 17th century French monastery, Brother Lawrence was able to turn even a boring job such as washing dishes into an act of worship and an opportunity to build his relationship with God. He said the key to friendship with God is not changing what you do, but changing your attitude toward what you do. What you normally do for yourself, you begin doing for God. Whether it is eating, bathing, working, relaxing, or taking out the trash. So we read in Psalm 1611, You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So following Brother Lauren's example, let's realize that worship should not be so much an event as a perpetual attitude. I once read about a man who said that he wanted to learn to pray all the time in every situation, day and night. He wanted to live in constant fellowship with God and moment by moment companionship with Jesus. This is a holy ambition and motivates me personally to develop this kind of intimate relationship with God. When we pray, we are speaking to God and when we meditate on God's word, he speaks to us. We need both as we develop our friendship with God. Practicing the presence of God will give us rest and lead us into more fruitful lifestyle. But how can we practice God's presence on a daily basis? How can we become a best friend of God? Use breath prayers. Pray a brief phrase to Jesus throughout the day that you can repeat in one breath. You may want to pray phrases such as, You will help me. You promise to never leave me. I can do all things through Christ. Your joy is my strength. I love you and help me trust you. Breath prayers, unlike regular prayers, are short with just a few words that you can quickly pray to God at any time. They will keep you more conscious of your relationship with God on a moment-to-moment basis. You become more aware that he is with you through all the joys and sorrows of your daily life. You realize in a deeper dimension his companionship. As time goes on, it becomes a natural practice in your everyday life, and you realize afresh that Jesus really is your best friend. The promise of Exodus 33:14 becomes more real. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. A deeper joy invades your life as you realize that you are learning to abide in Christ. Think about God's words. Meditate on his word throughout the day. Focus your thoughts on the Bible. Think about who God is and what he has done. This takes time to learn. The scriptures offer a promise of God's prosperity in our lives when we meditate on his word. 
His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaves does not wither. Whatsoever he does prospers. From Psalm 1, 2, and 3. So when you think about a problem over and over in your mind, that's called worry. When you think about God's word over and over in your mind, that's meditation. If you know how to worry, you already know how to meditate. You just need to switch your attention from your problems to Bible verses from Rick Warren. Do you want to move into a new place as a praying intercessor and practice God's presence even more than you ever did before? We are entering days when the Word of God in our hearts is going to be absolutely necessary. Don't worry, we can live above all that is happening here on earth if we keep in mind that everything we do can be spending time with God. We only need to be aware of His presence during the day. Whatever we're doing, He wants to be involved into the center of our activities. He longs for our friendship. As world conditions worsen, we will ride on high places above the storm. This is how we will defeat the enemy. Practicing God's presence through short prayers and meditation will make all the difference. Together, let's stay aware of His presence and step up higher into a new realm of intimacy. Let's learn to rest in God's presence rather than worry. Let's become a best friend of God. One of the favorite phrases among the young people that I've heard is that I am God's favorite. The truth is, is that we are all God's favorite and his heart is so big that we can all be his best friend. He is with us wherever we go. Let's take advantage of this wonderful opportunity to walk with Jesus minute by minute and day by day. It's available to all of us. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. From Joshua 1, 8 and 9. So next, I'd like to introduce a song to you, and it's called That's My God by Tommy Walker. And here it is. That's my king, 
Hey, what a great song by Tommy Walker. Here's what Tommy said regarding this song. He said, This song is simply a way of declaring and giving thanks that the God of the universe isn't just a God or the God, but that he is my God. Our God is not a higher power or a force in the heavens somewhere out there, but he is the holy living God and the only God who invites me to cry out and say, Abba, Father. And from Psalm 89.8, Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty and your faithfulness surrounds you. So friendship with God, is it really possible? So talk about having friends in high places. Imagine having a friendship with the creator of the universe. And it's actually possible. The Bible tells us about someone who knew God in a personal way. 
someone who was friends with God. His name was Moses. And we find this amazing statement about him in the Old Testament. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as man speaks to his friend. From Exodus 33. One day, as they were deep in conversation, Moses asked God for the most audacious thing, something unprecedented. He said, please show me your glory. In other words, I want to see you. God, I love talking to you. I love your conversations, but I actually would like to see you. It's a good thing to want to see God. I love what A.B. Simpson wrote. Once it was the blessing, now it is the Lord. Once it was the feeling, now it is his word. Once his gifts I wanted, now the giver own. Once I sought for healing, now himself alone. Also Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. From Matthew 5.8 Friends can ask friends for favors, and God wasn't offended by this request. However, if Moses saw God, he would have died on the spot, because God said, You cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. So God told Moses, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. Look, stand near me on this rock. As my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind, but my face will not be seen. God was saying, you're my friend, Moses, and I'm going to let you do something that no one has ever done before. I can't imagine what Moses saw that day. When the apostle Paul went to heaven and came back to earth again, he said, I was caught up in paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words, things no human is allowed to tell, from 2 Corinthians 12.4. In other words, what Paul heard and saw was indescribable. He couldn't even put it into words. We're in awe of such a relationship, but here's something that might surprise you. A Christian's friendship with God is even closer than the friendship that Moses had with God. That's because when Jesus died, a new covenant was established. Jesus fulfilled all the Old Testament sacrifices and types in himself. He was the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. After the resurrection, Jesus said to Mary Magdalene, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. From John 20, 17. So Jesus was saying, listen now. He's your God and now he's your Father. You can call on him. Therefore, we can have friendship with God, Jesus said. No longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. Moses saw God, and we can see God too. We find an example of this in the story of Stephen, who became the first martyr of the church. He was a courageous young man who could not back down from his faith. He stood before the religious rulers of that day, known in the Sanhedrin and proclaimed the gospel to them, and they rewarded him by taking his life through stoning. As his life was draining from him, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the place of honor at God's right hand. 
Stephen saw God's glory, Moses saw God's glory, and those of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ will one day see his glory as well. Do you have a Christian loved one who has died? They're seeing God's glory in heaven, and one day, if you are a follower of Christ, you will see it too. But until that day, we need to walk in friendship with God. Are you a friend of God? If you're not, then by default, you're an enemy of God. The Bible says that before we become believers, we are enemies who need to be reconciled to God, from Romans 5, 10, 11. And the Bible describes people who don't believe as enemies of the cross. The Bible also tells us that a person who loves this world is not a friend of God, but the enemy of God. Before I became a Christian, there was one statement that hit my heart like a lightning bolt from heaven. Jesus said, you're either for me or against me. So when I became a Christian, the preacher on that day was saying, you're either God's friend or God's enemy. I looked around at the Christians who were there and thought they are the friends of God. They have a relationship with God. They know the Lord. They are for him. I'm not one of them. Does that mean I'm against God? The last thing I wanted was to be against God. So that was the day I believed. If you haven't put your faith in Christ, maybe this will be the day you believe. You can come into a relationship with God. You can have your sin forgiven and go to heaven when you die. Just as Moses stood in the gap for the people of Israel, Jesus stood in the gap for you and died in your place. With one hand, Jesus took hold of a a holy God, and with the other hand, he took hold of a sinful humanity. If you'll turn from your sin and believe in him, you can be forgiven and know without any doubt that you will go to heaven when you die. You too can see the glory of God, and you too can have friendship with God from this moment forward. So I'm going to end today's episode on an audio clip from Bill Johnson. He's the lead pastor at Bethel Redding, and his audio clip is called How to Become God's Friend. And here it is. What is it about this Jesus that is so commanding that someone here has followed them and something inside of them comes so alive that nothing else matters? How does that happen? It wasn't the result of a sermon. It wasn't an altar call. It wasn't a, uh, you know, a summer camp where at the end they made a decision, I'm going to follow Jesus. It was just simply somebody came by the shore while they're cleaning nets, and Jesus said, follow me. Peter goes, done. <laughs> done. I'm in. What, what, what does that take? So here's, here's the disciples following Jesus. They're with him for three and a half years. Jesus then dies. But the last week of his life, Jesus starts talking to these guys. And in John 14, 15, and 16, he mentions something four times that is so significant. On four occasions, he gives them a blank check. He gives them what he gave Solomon. He put it this way in John 15. He said, if you abide in me, my words abide in you, you can ask anything you want, it'll be done for you. Blank check. In John 16, I think it's around verse 20, he says, up until now, you've asked nothing of the Father. Remember, all dialogue with God has been with Jesus himself. So now he says, up until now, you've asked the Father nothing in my name, but there's a day coming soon, quickly, where you will ask the Father, and anything you ask him in my name will be done for you. So four times in three chapters, Jesus gave them blank checks. Why? 
because right in the middle of it, this is his, in the last week of his life, this is one of his final conversations. He unveils the reason for four blank checks given to his disciples. And it's in John 15. He said, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. Just because we sing the song, I am a friend of God, doesn't mean I'm a friend of God. I don't mean in any way that God would reject me. I'm just saying friendship takes time. You learn their voice. You recognize a friend who calls you on the phone because you've spent time with them. It's frequent interaction. It causes us to know this is what they value. This is their favorite color. This is what they like to do, you know, Sunday afternoons. This is their hobby. This is their whatever. We get to know them because of time together. We know Jesus sometimes through a song, through a favorite scripture, but we've been summoned into a relational journey. And it was to the 12 that had been with him for three and a half years. He said, to them, you can ask whatever you want. He didn't announce that to anyone who was in the crowd. That would have been a welcomed message in John 6, instead of eat my flesh, drink my blood. People would have voted for that one any day over the drink blood thing that he was preaching. They would have bought right into that immediately. They would have increased their numbers. The altar call would have been massive. But Jesus chose not to do that. Here's my question for you. This man asked about eternal life. And Jesus gave him an answer that was perfectly fitting for him because Jesus saw the heart. But most of us would have led him in a prayer and tried to make him believe that he was fully surrendered to Jesus. But was he? He wouldn't be any more saved after my prayer than he was with Jesus' conversation. The point isn't to shame people or to lock horns with people or to challenge. That's not the point. The point is, is tenderly we love people and speak and, and care and direct people into this relationship where it just makes sense. Drop the nets. It just, it's the most logical thing in the world to do. I don't need the boat. It's, it's like we just we leave things to come with them. I mean, the farther you go with God, the less you can take with you. He could have started the conversation with John 15, 7. Abide in me. You can just see him on the beach. Peter's never seen him before. Jesus walks up and says, Peter, abide in me. My words abide in you. You can ask whatever you want. It'll be done. There would have been a whole bunch more than Peter that signed up for that one because they would have signed up for the stuff and not the relationship. It's all about the relationship. Anything I build on the reward, I believe in the reward so much. It's a central part of the faith in the journey with the Lord, not the journey for salvation, but in, in the journey with the Lord once we're born again, Faith is an expression of our confidence in him as the rewarder. That's Hebrews 11. I must believe he is and the rewarder of those who seek him. The confidence of him being the rewarder is essential in our journey. I, I feel like the Lord, <clears throat> let me rephrase this. The shaking in our life reveals whether we're in it for the journey or for all the things. Because if I measure how well I'm doing by breakthrough in these things, 
then my own self-esteem in Christ goes up and goes down, goes up, goes down. But if I see it for what it is, there's a reward. He's given me much more than I ever deserved. The next week, there's a challenge. This gives me an opportunity to draw nearer. It's all about the journey and who I'm traveling with. See, it's all for Jesus. It really is. It's not, it's not Jesus looking for entrepreneurs who know how to handle money. He just found one. There's a prime candidate. Jesus doesn't need anybody's gift. He can bring revival through a rock if he wants to. He can anoint a camel to preach. I mean, do whatever he wants. He's God. Old Testament, he had a donkey preaching. He, he once announced, I can raise up a whole generation to Abraham out of these rocks. What? Trust me. <laughs> All I got to do is speak, and they come. Not only that, I can get them to praise. The point I'm trying to make is, when, when the, Lord, the Lord doesn't look at, you know, uh, celebrities and, you know, all this stuff and look for the most talented people. I, I love talent. I do. I love, I love human talent. I love the Olympics. I love the Olympics for that reason. It's just bizarre to me that people will train eight hours a day for four years, eight years to run a 10-second race. <laughs> and then it's over. And if they're in first place, they won by, you know, one hundredth of a second. How does it come down to that? How do you develop skills like that? I, I'm, I'm so impressed with these guys. I love human skill. I love the musicians, the actors, the actresses, the business people that just have the, the intuition to know what to do. Culturally, they see what's happening and they know how to invest. Uh, they know they fly over a city and they know where the city is growing. So they invest in this land and in that land. It's just amazing to me, this natural wisdom and skill that God's given people. I love it all, but he doesn't need any of it. He doesn't look at the landscape and go, oh, this guy can really sing. I should get him saved. He doesn't think that way. He just doesn't think that way. He just finds people that have stuff, and he says, come on. He just can't drag the boat with you. I'm not one who believes that that message of abandoning all is the mark of surrender to Christ and you have to sell everything to do that. You know, if he says for you to do it, you do it. That's just the point. But Jesus ministered to people differently. Mary and Martha, Lazarus, very wealthy people, never said that to them. Why? It wasn't at the center of their heart. See, he has, he has laser vision. He has, he has that that tenacity to go right to the root and the core of issues. With one person, it's the bitterness regarding their past, but it's the key to their breakthrough. To another person, it's their whole vision for their life. They have to lay it down. So that does bring us to the end of our episode today. And my closing prayer is always, and Bill Johnson kind of hit on this prayer also, if you listened, is that God blesses the journey you're on with him and that you embrace that path. So next week's episode is going to be on Laughter is a Gift from God. Hey, you can connect with me at positivelightpodcast at gmail.com. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Anywhere you download your podcast, you can get Positive Light for free. Hope everybody had a great week. God bless. 
and we'll catch you next week.